0: you know it's only gonna get better playing by the uncertainties of our modern world life can seem awfully bleak at times in our search for purpose meaning and certainty most of us would love to have an inkling of what lies ahead to have even a glimpse of tomorrow today in our podcast knowing tomorrow today we share from the bible a wonderful blueprint of hope which reveals that god wants us to live an abundant life and that he has an amazing future planned for us Welcome to a podcast knowing tomorrow today. I'm your host, Merrick Brown. Thank you always for joining me on this journey of hope. I always want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and to share these messages of hope, wherever you listen, with your family, with your friends, with your co-workers, and just all who you meet along life's way. So in our last episode, we looked at the second horseman of Revelation chapter 6, and we found that the second horseman represents the the division and opposition in households, communities, and nations that the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus often brings by those who are opposed to it. Uh, And we find that this is still true today. We found out that the, the second horseman of Revelation corresponded to a period of persecution that was unleashed on the Christian church by the Roman emperors uh, from about the year 100 to 313 AD. Uh, during this period, Roman emperors such as Nero, Domitian, and Trajan, uh, they were all intent on saving paganism in the Roman emperor, and the result was that thousands of Christians were massacred for their faith. Christians who who wouldn't have renounced their religion? they were all, they were mauled by lions in the Roman Coliseums. Others were beheaded, crucified. Uh, or even burned at the stake. Finally, we discovered that the most vicious onslaught carried out against Christians during this period was the what we call the Diocletian persecution, uh, which lasted from uh, the year 303 to 313 AD. The Diocletian persecution was a, a Roman Empire-wide campaign against Christians initiated by the Empire Diocletian. And, and it involved the destruction of churches, the burning of Christian texts, the persecution of Christian leaders. It Diocletian's edicts mandated the worship of Roman gods, and so those who resisted faced imprisonment and death. However, although this persecution was very it was very severe, the Diocletian persecution ultimately failed to eradicate Christianity from the world and from the Roman Empire and so the second horseman of Revelation chapter 6 represents the persecution and division which arose as the gospel was proclaimed as the gospel was preached in all the world and so in this episode we want to see what happened when the third horseman of Revelation chapter 6 begins to rise or began to ride and we find this in Revelation chapter 6 verses 5 and 6 and there uh, the, the Apostle John writes there he says when he opened the third seal, I heard the, th- uh, 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 the third living creature say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he that sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil And the wine, again, you find that in Revelation chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. And so when Jesus opens the third seal, a rider on a black horse appears. And so... When you think about it, uh, if the first horseman on uh, on the white horse represents the gospel in its purity, in in its truth and righteousness, then the black horse likely symbolizes j- just the opposite, right? It it symbolizes the, the spread of erroneous or false doctrines by the church. Now that's shocking, right? That's really shocking when you think about it. That the rider of the black horse represents the absence and essentially the corruption of the gospel. So what could have happened here that would have caused, um, you know, erroneous doctrines and the absence of the the gospel to, to be, um, you know, to be in history. Well, in order to find out, there there are several important symbols in the prophecy of the third horseman there in Revelation chapter 6 that we want to look at. First, the rider of the black horse is is seen to have a pair of scales in his hand. We are told that a quart of wheat and three quarters of barley goes for a denarius. Also, the horseman is told not to harm the oil and the wine. Now, what do all these symbols mean? So, During biblical times, grain, oil, and wine, they were very important food stables uh, in in ancient Palestine. Uh, In fact, they formed an important part of the people's diet at that time. And so understand this, a denarius was a silver coin that was the standard currency of ancient Rome. This coin was widely circulated, especially from uh, the the 3rd century BC to the 3rd century AD. And so Jesus would have been familiar with this coin. Uh, He would have handled this coin. Uh, coin in his day. Yeah. A denarius was equivalent then to a, a day's wages, right? Yeah. And so after receiving his denarius, a day laborer would head to the market to buy food for his family. Now, according to the prophecy of the third horseman, if a quart of wheat is carefully weighed out on scales and sold to him for a, an entire day's wages or for a denarius, then he is in trouble because this would not be enough for him to feed his family. And so what is the prophecy of the third horseman trying to say to us here? It is trying to say to us that it's trying to say to us that there is a famine in the land, uh, a famine in the land has caused uh, a scarcity of wheat and barley in the economy, which would explain the price hike. On these items and so understand this wheat and barley are typically used to make bread and, and this is true even today as it was true in Jesus's day however the prophecy of the third horseman is not concerned with literal bread but spiritual bread the Bible often equates uh, bread to the Word of God in fact if we go to the, the Gospel of John 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 chapter 6 verse 35 and if we read to verse verse 63 we're not gonna read all those verses Right? And in verse 25, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will uh, never be hungry again, he says. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. Right? And then he says, The words that I speak to you are spirit, they are life. And so what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that his words, the word of God is uh, his pure gospel truth that comes from the Bible. That is what brings life to the believer who hears the gospel and responds to it, right? It is as we receive the word of God into our lives daily and believe the words of Jesus that we are encouraged and that we have uh, the promise, right? We have that eternal life that Jesus promises us. And so the prophecy of the third horseman is telling us there that there is a shortage somehow Uh, of the word of god in the land at that point in history right or there is a famine for the word of god and so you know i have this professor uh, uh he's an expert on the book of revelation his name is ranko Stefanovic, and he writes that the rejection of the gospel results in a famine of god's word similar to the spiritual famine prophesied by amos concerning the israelites and you find that in amos chapter 8 verse 11 to 13. and so we should also note that the third horseman is not told All right, he's told actually not to harm the oil and wine. Now, what does this mean? What could this mean? Well, in the Bible, oil is often used to represent the Holy Spirit, right? While wine represents the salvation we we receive through Jesus' blood. And so, even though the prophecy of the third horseman tells us that there is a famine in the land for the word of God, thank God that the famine is not fatal, right? Because oil... Which represents the Holy Spirit is still available and wine which symbolizes the salvation we have in Jesus is always available even if the enemies of God try to obscure or to corrupt the true gospel of Christ these elements these, these truths these realities are always available to believers and so we say praise be to God and so at what point in history did the pure Uh, uncorrupted gospel begin to be obscured, causing a a famine for God's Word in the land. Now, to answer this question, we need to uh, we need some context here, right? We need to briefly examine Jesus's message to the church at Pergamos, which comes immediately after his mes- message to the church of Smyrna, which is the persecuted church by the Roman empires. Why? Why do we need this? Well, because Jesus's message to the church at Pergamos is a parallel prophecy of the third horseman of Revelation, and so we can glean a lot about the prophecy of the third horseman uh, by studying Jesus's message to the church of Pergamos right and of course we can also find this message there in the book of Revelation especially in Revelation chapter 2 and so the word Pergamos uh, there means it means height uh, elevation or exalt- uh, exaltation right and so we could say that another name for the church of Pergamos is the elevated church. Now, interestingly, interestingly, guys, immediately after the Diocletian persecutions, something quite remarkable happened. Almost overnight, uh historically speaking, Christianity became the favorite religion of the Roman Empire. What? Right? And so the Christian church uh, went from being the persecuted scourge of the empire to the most valid religion in the Roman Empire. Uh, the church was elevated in essence, right? Now, how did this happen? What happened here to cause this, this radical shift, right? So so what happened was this. In, in year tr- uh, uh, 312 AD, in a bid to secure the imperial throne in Rome for himself, Constantine confronted his rival Maxentius at the Milvian Bridge, which spans the Tiber River in Rome. You can still see that bridge there in Rome today. And so you may have heard the name Constantine before. I mean, who was this guy? So Constantine... Also, he was also known as Constantine the Great. Uh, he was a Roman Emperor who ruled uh, from about 306 to 337 AD. Now, he is noteworthy in history because he became the first Roman Emperor to embrace Christianity. Remember, uh, the Roman Emperors prior to Constantine they were all about they were all about persecuting the Christian Church, right? Uh, Constantine he embraced Christianity. Right? And that's why he's so significant in history. Now, let's get back to the battle that cemented Constantine's power in Rome. Now, Maxentius' army was far superior to Constantine, yet, Constantine, with unusual confidence, he advanced across the Milvian Bridge and remarkably, he defeated Maxentius, right? And so, Constantine attributed his remarkable victory to the Christian God. Right, he said he was. It was shown to him in a dream. Uh, he was shown a, a sign of the cross in the sky with the words, "In this sign, conquer." Right, and so as an expression of his gratitude to the Christian God, Constantine issued the edict of Milan again in the year, we have a lot of years here, right? In the year 313 AD, right? Now that that is a significant edict that Constantine uh, issued uh, and because it proclaimed religious toleration throughout all of the Roman Empire. And so with this edict, persecution against uh, the Christian, uh, against the Christian church, it stopped, it ceased. And so throughout his reign, Constantine he he did everything. He could to support the Christian religion and its leadership until over time Christianity became the favored religion of the entire Roman Empire, right? He became the religion of the Roman Empire. In fact, in, in the year 321 AD in a in a shrewd political move designed to unite both pagans and Christians in the Roman Empire, Constantine uh, uh he was a worshiper of the sun god Apollo right and so he declared sunday as a public uh holiday or a holy day and so really a lot of people don't realize this but this is why uh christians worship on sunday today right it's coming from what constantine did there in the year 3 uh, 21 a.d when he proclaimed uh sunday as a, a public holiday or holy day right it's not coming from the bible folks right? Uh, It's coming from what Constantine did. And so we are told that Constantine, in order to recommend Christianity to the pagan, to pagan worshipers who were in the empire, he transferred into Christianity the outward uh, ornaments to which these pagans, they were used to, they were accustomed. And so the result of this was that over time, pagan worshipers, they flocked into the Christian church and they brought with them pagan practices such as the use of holy water, incense, candles, lamps, uh, processions, chants, Images and even the ring in marriage and the practice of turning to the east during worship, right? All of these practices, practices were brought into Christianity by the pagans who joined the church. And so, friends, uh, what does the rider of the third horse man? Represent on third horse. Represent it represents uh, the period in history uh, from about the year three thirteen A.D. to five thirty eight A.D. In history, when the true biblical word of God began to be obscured by the strange mixture, there was a strange mixture of Christianity with pagan practices. Right, very significant there. Uh, it, it also represented the time in history when the church, when church and state affairs began to be mingled and mixed. And, and it's never, folks, it's never a good thing when church and state begin to mingle their affairs together. History shows that, then when, that, that, that when this happens, the results are often tragic and detrimental, right? And we'll talk more about that in a future episodes, right? And so what was the result of all of what happened? Uh, with the riding of the third horseman the result was a scarcity of the true gospel of the bible as the enemies of the gospel they, they, they were trying to pervert the gospel from within the church and i mean by infiltrating it from within it and so after a time many christians came to adopt the pagan practices that crept into the church and they forgot about the principles of the bible and they forgot about the principles of god's word and that is why you you began to have this scarcity for the true word of god i hope that makes sense and so addressing the christians living during the spirit jesus stated that they were compromising their biblical christian values with pay, the pagan ideas of rome and he told them that they were engaged in an illicit or illegal relationship with the state with the roman emperor and and and, and he told him listen i don't agree with that and he appealed to them to turn away from those ideas and from those practices and to return to him and the true gospel in fact he said there in revelation chapter, this is jesus right speaking now in revelation chapter 2 verse 16 he tells the com- compromising church or Pergamos, he says to them listen repent or else I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Right? And then he says, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." And so, as Christians, we should never compromise our biblical faith. We should never compromise the faith that we have in Jesus. We should always stand on the principles of the Bible, and 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 on on the Bible, and on the, on the Bible only, even if. The world is crashing down around us. And even if we're being persecuted or harassed for what we believe, we should always stand on the word of God. In, I mean, we see here that Christians during the time of Constantine, they paid a, a steep price for Roman toleration and, and and the elevation of the Christian church. And what was the price? It was the compromise of their faith, friends. Right? Listen to them. Jesus is, is saying to us, this same Jesus right Uh, who the Bible calls the word of God he wants us to stand on the promises Of the bible he wants us to stand on his word he never wants us to compromise our faith in fact he tells us there in 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 the bible that he has plans for us he tells us in jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 to 14 he says listen i know what i've planned for you i've plans to prosper you not to harm you i've plans to give you a future filled with hope he says when you call out to me and come to me in prayer i will hear your prayers if you seek me with all of your heart and soul i will make myself available to you my friends the lord jesus has planned an amazing future for us never ever compromise your faith, the faith that you have in Jesus. My hope is that you will come to trust Jesus, that you'll come to trust him, and that you will choose to live by his way, by his word, and not by your own way or uh, the, the, you know, the ways of others, right? Never compromise your faith. And if you do, I promise you, if you do, your life will never be the same. Listen, I want to encourage you as we part to remember to like, to subscribe, and to share this podcast wherever you listen. I share it with your friends, your family, just share with everyone. Uh, and also subscribe. Uh, of course, you can email me. My email address is doing tomorrow today at gmail.com. It's doing tomorrow today at gmail.com. If you have additional questions, um, if you have prayer requests, listen, if you when you email me, I will send you a copy of the book. There's a book that actually inspired this podcast. It's called Doing Tomorrow Today, Glimpses of the Future That Will Change Your Life. If you email me, I'll send you an electronic copy of the book. Listen. May God continue to bless you. I'm Mary Brown. Until next time, you stay blessed and stay well. It's gonna get better. Never stay the same. It's gonna get better.